We are studying the book of Joshua. Would you please do me a favor and turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua, the 24th, the last chapter. We've come to this great book, to the end of it, to see the wonders of what Joshua is saying. We're in the middle of, of, of an encouragement that he is giving to the people. This is the last message he's going to give them. And so he wants to make sure that they hear his voice. He wants to make sure that they understand the, the gravity of what he is saying to them. And he makes what I would consider, I would, this is what I would consider one of the great places in the Word of God. If you look with me at, at chapter 24, let's take a look at what Joshua has to say to the people. Let me give you kind of a little uh, uh, overview of what he's saying. He is going to say to them one of the great verses in all of Scripture. He says, you know, he says, whether it's desirable in your heart, you know, to follow after the gods of your fathers or the gods of the Amorites, he says, you're going to have to decide. But he says these words, classic, classic words, want them in my heart, want them in my life, want them a part of my family. But for me and my house, what does he say? We will serve the Lord. You see, what he is saying, as you read through this, I want you to take a, take a, uh, a capture what is being said. What he is saying is, you've got to decide. In other words, there isn't uh, just a neutral ground. I'm going to hold back and I'll wait and see. No, he says, you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve someone or something else. That is innate within mankind. So he is saying to, to all of us, you've got to choose. You've got to choose to serve somebody. And so what he is saying to them, with all of his heart, he is trying to lead them so that they might serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the very God of gods. That's whom he is choosing and asking for them to follow along with him. And so that's basically what is being said here. He is challenging them again. They, as you're going to see in verses, I think, 16 through 18, verse 21, verse 24, they're going to give lip service. They're going to say, oh, we're going to serve the Lord. But to study on, we're going to see, if, if we were to study on the book of Judges, for instance, we would see that they fell away. They fell away from following and serving the Lord. And so it's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to serve the Lord, but it's another thing to make a decision. It's another thing to stand upon what you believe and take this faith that you and I have within our hearts and serve the Lord all the days of our lives. Now, I want you to know this too as we're going to read through this place in Scripture. Just because you want to do that and just because you determined in your heart to do that doesn't mean that you and I will not falter or fall. Do not allow that to discourage you. We will have times when we will fall short of what we expect of our own selves as believers. That's why he has given us in 1 John 1, 9, a verse that I sadly have to confess to you that I know way too well. Because it is often daily that I go to this verse and ask the Lord to forgive me. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this attitude that you and I have, hopefully, that we desire to follow the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, that we would be people like Joshua, we would be people like Caleb, we would be people like Moses, people who chose to follow the Lord their God all the days of our lives. I want you to know that just because you fall short once in a while, or as often as you might fall short, you still have a wonderful Savior who desires to forgive you and to cleanse you from any sin that you take to Him and ask Him to forgive you. 
And so just because we make this commitment today, and I hope that you might, it's, it's still another thing to, to think that just that, that means, okay, good, I'll, I'll never fall short again. No, we will all go through those times because there is a great temptation that surrounds all of us. Well, let's read perhaps one of the great, great places in all of Scripture um, as, as, as Joshua is pouring his heart out to his people. Listen to me. Verse 14, please. Read with me, I should say. Now, therefore, Joshua says, Fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, and choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In verse 16 it says, The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, And who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went. And among all the peoples through whose mist we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord for He is our God. Then Joshua, watch this, said to the people, You will not be able to serve the Lord for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then He's going to turn and do you harm and consume you after He has done good to you. The people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses Now therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and we will obey His voice. And so in verse 25, Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be for a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord which spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, lest you deny your God. And then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. In other words, their own land. Verse 29 tells us it came about after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath, Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, in the north of Mount Gaish. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt at Shechem, in the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for one hundred 
pieces of money, and they became became the inheritance of Joseph's son. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gilbath of Phineas, his son, which was given him in the hill country of Ephraim. And so that is the end of this great book. One of the saddest moments in my life is to to finish the study of a book, any book that we're doing. I just fall deeply in love with them. This probably more than than I could ever, ever dream. I had no idea the, um, the amazing things that I might comprehend and learn out of studying this great book. It has been such a joy to me. I pray it's been the same for you. What I've learned about the men of this book and the people of this book, I should say, of Moses and and Joshua and Caleb, they were probably the most central figures that we saw in this book, along with the guy that messed up by the name of Achan. I learned from every single one of them. But the real character, the main character of this book is none other than our God. He is the one that carried them along. He He took care of them. He provided for them. He protected them. He was with them every step of the way, just as He is for you and for me. He will never leave us, nor will He forsake us. He asks us to be courageous and to be strong. And He will give us the inheritance of our land, of our promises that we received when Jesus Christ died for us on the cross, shed His blood for you and me upon the cross. And and, and they buried Him. And three days later, He rose from the dead This is just as much Easter as Easter ever would be. This we have a risen Savior that is alive today. And He wants to care for you and me. And so this great book of Joshua just has been a a blessing to me. So we're going to uh, take a look at it today. We're going to try to figure out some of the things that's been said. What Joshua is warning the people about. And we're going to see the outcome. And then we'll probably wrap it all up next week, Mother's Day. So let's pray and ask the Lord to to lead us in this study. Father, would you please do that? Would you give us the greatest privilege that any people could ever, ever have? And that is to be able to understand and to hear from your voice. In the quietness of our own hearts, each and every single one of us have things, Father, that we are praying for. Someone that we love. Something that's going on that is special to us. And, Father, you hear all of those prayers. You hear everything that we are crying out to you, and we and you hear all of the joy that we have within our hearts as well. And Father, we want you to speak to each one of us as only you can. And so I would ask, Father, that you might give us a great privilege, and that is hide the one who has given this message behind the wonders of your word and the very essence of who you are, that we might see you and we might understand more of your Son and the Holy Spirit that so fills each of our lives and and guides us into your truth, and comforts us in the time of need. And so, Father, we just come to you, and we ask your blessings upon all that we do and everything that we say, that you might, as it says in the book of Psalms, open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your most precious word. And so, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone here. Thank you for the music that we had. Thank you for the participation that we've had up to this time. Now would you guide us through this wonderful place in Scripture, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. You're going to know it. I want to tell you beforehand, there's only two places I'm going to ask you to turn to. One is Isaiah chapter 40, and the other is Ezekiel chapter 20. Now, Isaiah and Ezekiel are just to the right. You'll be able to find them fairly easy because they're quite large books. 
But what I want to say to you is was one of the first things I read when I started to study this section of Scripture. And it was out of a commentary that said that our service unto the Lord is not overwork, but when it is done in His power, when it is done through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and reigns within us, it is not overwork, but it is overflow. An overflow that comes from a heart that is willing to serve the Lord. It is like Caleb. Now, turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 40. Would you please? And just hold it there for a moment and listen. This is just like Caleb. When Caleb was, uh, what was he, 85 years old? And he says, I feel as strong today as when I, when I was with you, Joshua, and when we went in to spy out the land. In other words, I feel as strong with today as I did 45 years ago when I was 40 years old. And we've, we examined that because what a wonderful thing to say. What a wonderful way for those of us that, that, are, that get to grow older in the Lord to just to, to feel His strength, to feel the strength of when we were younger, to have that vitality within our lives. And what we found out is the reason that Caleb was so, so just strong was that because it said he fully followed the Lord his God. He fully followed the Lord his God. And that is the essence. And watch what it says here in Isaiah chapter 40. Should have read this when we went and talked about Caleb. I don't, know, I don't think that I did, but you talk about strength. It starts off in verse 27 by saying, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the earth, of the, uh, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Verse 29 tells us, He gives strength to the weary. And to the person who lacks might, He increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, vigorous young men stumble badly. Verse 31, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Folks, that's just like Caleb. We, you and I have that privilege. When we trust in the Lord, when we give Him all that we are, we have strength that mounts up within us that people really don't quite understand. Why is it, some people ask me, why is it that you are so, you're so uh, passionate about what you preach? I mean, you've been doing it quite a while and you're older now and it seems like you're just as passionate today. You, you weep sometimes and, and you get excited and you just love what you do. And, and I can tell you it's because I believe with all of my heart what is written within these pages. It is... It is my deepest belief that when I get to study this, the Word of God, I am studying the very essence of who God is. God is personally speaking to me when I read these words. And what more can anyone ask for? What more can you and I desire in our hearts than to have the God of this universe speak to us through the Word of God? That's why we encourage you so much to get into smaller groups. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible daily. That's why we encourage you to try to understand what it is that the Lord is saying to you so that you might know and hear from Him and have the greatest privilege that is given to mankind, and that is to understand the very essence of who God is and that He speaks to you. And He promises you and me that we will gain strength, we'll mount up like wings of an eagle. We will run. We won't get tired. We're going to walk and we will not become weary. And so that is a promise out of the Word of God. 
Serving the Lord is not work. It is an overflow of our lives. Now, back, please, to Joshua chapter 24. Key in the rest of this this chapter, chapter 24, is the word serve. It is used 15 times in this chapter. Especially, observe with me verses 14 and 15 that we read just a moment ago. Now, therefore, Joshua says to the people, actually, he's saying to you and me, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether it be the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But Joshua says, for me and my house, we will choose. We have desired to serve the Lord our God. You know, serving means much more than just to serve. It, 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 it means to fear. It means to obey. It means to worship. It means to love. It means to fix your heart upon. It means so much more. Because you want to serve the Lord, not because you have to. Service is not overwork, people. Service is an overflow of the the spiritual gift that God has given you, that you give back to Him, and in so doing, giving back to Him, and using that gift, you bless other people, just as God has asked you to do within your lives. And so God gave them the land. He protected them. He guided them. God said, I will bless you people if if you will love and serve me. And he'll do the same for us. Remember, serving the Lord God is not overwork. It is a life of overflow. It is a life that gives back to God for all that he has given to us. Now, Joshua makes it clear in verses 14 and 15 that the people had to make a decision. They were either going to serve the Lord or they were not. So they say throughout verses 16 to 24, yes, we will serve the Lord. Folks, that is basically lip service. That was not a moment of commitment. That was just saying perhaps what they thought Joshua wanted to hear. But note, certainly, there is no neutrality in their choice to serve God If they served the Lord, then they were going to have to get rid of the false gods and the idols that surrounded them. Some of Israel were secretly worshiping other gods, even at that time. And the other place I wanted you to see was in Ezekiel chapter 20. This does not catch God off guard. Now, let me tell you something while you're turning to Ezekiel chapter 20. It's to the right. It's a a little bit beyond uh, Isaiah that you were just in. There'd be after Isaiah, what, there'd be Jeremiah, then Lamentations, Lamentations, is it? Hey, Jimmy. And then there is uh, Ezekiel. You don't have to worship a, a, an idol. Worshiping other gods or other things is, 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 is something that is more than just a bowing down before a a planter or, or, or some other God figure. It is worshiping things that we do in our lives. Things that we give first place over God. It might be your business, I don't know. It might be your family, I don't know. It, it might be some recreation that you do, I don't know. But you know, 
You know what gets in between you and God. Let me just comfort you. There's no way that you and I can can overload on loving God. You cannot. The more you love Him, the more all the other things in your life will fall into pattern and place. The more I love the Lord my God, the more I love my family. The more I love the Lord my God, the more I love my wife. The more I love the Lord my God, the more I love my children and my friends and all the other things that has been given to me in this world in which I live. But God is my focus. And so it says in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 6, On that day I swore to them, God speaking, to bring them out from the land of Egypt into a land that I had selected for them. This is what we are talking about in the book of Joshua. He's brought them into the promised land. It says in verse 6 at the end, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. He says in verse 7, I said to them, cast away each of you the detestable thing of your eyes and do not defile yourselves with the the idols of Egypt. I, I am the Lord your God. But it says in verse 8, But they rebelled against me, God speaking, and were not willing to listen to me. They did not cast away the detestable things of their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So it says at the end of verse 8, I resolved to pour out my wrath on them and accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. Israel is settled in a land back in Joshua chapter 24. But because they did not get rid of the enemy, because they didn't do as God had told them to do, because they didn't destroy the enemy and get it out of their midst, they are now surrounded by foreign gods and idolatry of the Amorites, the Canaanites, the other nations that now lived in their midst that should have been driven out of the land. So what Joshua calls is for a real devotion to God. Joshua says you need to turn your life over completely to God. Remember when we studied this place in Scripture, uh, Joshua had the the leaders of of Israel put their foot on the neck of their enemies and destroy and kill their enemies. And we thought, wow, that's pretty cold-hearted. But we brought it to where we live today. We're not to do that, to kill an enemy, but we are to kill those things that that surround us, that keep us away from our pure love of God. We're to, we're to destroy those things that, that, that allow us to fall short of following God. I don't know what it is in your life. It could be alcohol. Uh, it, it could be pornography. Uh, I don't know what it is. It could be any number of things. And God says to you, put your foot on the neck of it and destroy it. Get it out of your life so that you will no longer serve those other idols that so surround you and, 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 and are in the midst of who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so because they did not, Israel did not get rid of the enemy, Joshua calls them to a true devotion. Get rid of these things. You see, Joshua, being a very wise and spiritual leader, knew that everyone's going to worship someone or something. And whether they realized it or not, They are going to do that. Everyone on the face of this earth does that. We are incurably religious, whatever religious might mean. We seek someone, we seek something to worship. And so that's why Joshua said to them, Look, 
If it's detestable in your sight to to serve the Lord, if that is something you desire not to do, then choose. Choose whom you're going to serve because you're going to serve someone. But for me in my house, he says to them, we're going to serve the Lord our God. You see, Joshua knew that if they didn't worship the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they would end up worshiping false gods. And so Joshua's point is clear here. As we, as we close out this great book, you cannot worship both. You've got to worship one and the other. Now, let's talk to us today as Christians. The same is true as, uh, with us. You and I cannot partially play Christianity. We cannot partially pray, play church. You, if, you, if this is the only time you get to kind of really center your heart and your thoughts upon the Lord, you're just doing yourself a terrible disservice. You're, you're in this roller coaster ride. And you might wonder why you feel high sometimes and low sometimes. It's simply because you are not serving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And you can't live that way. You can't be a partial, sometime Christian. You've got to be all in or all out. You can't be... You can't do both because it is heartbreaking. You'll, you'll only be frustrated. You'll, you'll feel confused about your faith and you'll wonder why it is you just never get it together. I'm telling you, the most wonderful thing you can do is to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And why I want to be here with you so badly and so much is because I will not allow you I will not allow you to think otherwise. I, 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 when I was in the ministry with ball players, Jimmy, I, I, I wouldn't tell you who it is because it's, it's irrelevant. But it, I won't even tell you what team it was with. But we used to have chapel. We had chapel at the ballpark. And, 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 and I was there with the guys every week that they were there. And we would have chapel services. And we had this one guy that came very regularly. And he was really pious in that room. But when he got back into the locker room, he would tell the most rankest of jokes. He would say the most detestable things. And I would overhear him saying that. And so I was having it. I had it about up to there. And so uh, we were coming to chapel one particular weekend. And I pulled this guy aside and I says, I want you to do me a favor. He says, yeah, anything you want, chaplain, anything you want. I said, I don't want you ever to come to chapel again. He said, what do you mean? I says, I don't want you to be a hypocrite in front of everybody. You're a hypocrite enough to me. It's enough that I have to put up with you. And you're turning some guys off that might come to chapel by the way you live this double life. They're going to think all of us are as phony as you are. Told him that right to his face. I knew, I knew his response. I knew it was going to break him. It did. He almost started to weep, which ballplayers don't do very often in the ballpark. And he says, ah, how can I tell you I'm sorry? I can't tell you how sorry I am. I didn't realize I was doing all that. And I said, now you're lying to me some more. Confess it. Tell the Lord that you were wrong in doing these things and straighten out your life. And then come back to chapel with us, please. Because we need men like you who, mean, who are serious about their faith. And he did. And he became a very vital part of our ministry. I, I used to hate it when guys get traded away. Because I knew that, see, because I played ball, you know, Jimmy and I, we go and hang around with these ball players. We're not enamored by any of them. There's nobody we've ever met that, well, um, Koufax, uh, DiMaggio, Mantle. Okay, okay, okay. There's a few. Okay. He's, you can't lie with him here. But the truth of the matter is we're not enamored by these men. 
We're not. And I was not. And I hated it when they left because I felt that they would go to a team where the guy would be kind of, the guy that was chaplain would be there because he just wanted to be around ball players, and, 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 and it just bothered me so much. It, 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 it scared me. And one of the reasons why I love being here with you is I want to challenge you every week to the truth of the Word of God. And I want you to hear the truth. I don't want to, I don't want to just water down the Bible to you. I don't want to tickle your ears. I want to tell you the hard truth so that you become a, a people who serve the Lord your God all the days of your lives. And so the same is true with us as, as Joshua was saying to those people, we can't play with Christianity. We can't. We can't get away with being a sometimes weekend Christian. You've got to be in and, and, and follow the Lord your God with all your heart. And that's why I said to you earlier, I'm not saying to you you're going to be perfect now. I'm saying to you you're going to be probably like, not probably like every single one of us here. You're going to have to confess sin. We're not perfect. That's why Christ had to die for us. That's why he, he died and rose from the dead. Because all of us need a Savior. All of us need it. Even when we are saved, that doesn't mean we're perfect. It just means we have a Savior and we've trusted our lives to Him. But He is given to every single Christian who lives. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He'll be faithful. He'll be just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so the people, and, and if you look at verses 16, 17, and 18, look at what they say to Joshua. They say to him in verse 16, 17, 18, the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Because we remember, they say in verse 17, all that he did for us. We saw the great signs that he did. And they say in verse 18, We saw that the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites who lived in the land. So we will also serve the Lord. He is our God. But then Joshua said to the people, No, you won't. No, you won't. You won't do that if you are going to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. In other words, you can't do both. You can't have an idol here and, a, and, and the Lord there. You can't be a sometimes Israelite. You can't be a sometime Christian. And so the people say in verse 21, they said, no, 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 we're going to serve the Lord. And so he says, okay, then let's, 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 uh, let, let's do something about it. Let's be a witness against one another. And so they say in verse 24, we will serve the Lord your God. We will obey his voice. But Joshua knew and they knew when the former generation of the Israelites met the Lord in Mount Sinai a couple of generations earlier. They said to the Lord in the book of Exodus, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. But only a few short weeks after they made that proclamation in Exodus chapter 19, they were worshiping a golden calf. They got all of their gold, they melted all their gold down, and they built this calf. And they started worshiping this calf instead of the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. And therefore Joshua knew that it was easy, easy for the people to promise obedience. But it was quite another thing to actually live it out moment by moment, day by day, week after week. Can I not hear an amen about that? Is it not difficult? I say to you, it is. I say to you that it is easy. It is difficult. It's not just a, okay, I'll do it, and therefore we don't have to worry about it anymore. We have to really desire to serve and follow the Lord our God all the days of our life. And that has to be something that you commit to day by day before your feet hit the ground in the morning, before you go off to wherever it is you're going to go off, you ought to make a short commitment to the Lord. Lord, let this day be lived for you. I know that I do that. I don't hit the ground in the morning without coming to Him in prayer and saying, Lord, 
Whatever it is that you have for me today, help me to go through it. But Father, let me not disappoint you. Let me live for you this day. And so his stern words were meant to curb their enthusiasm. As he says in verses 19-20, he said to people, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it if, if you do not forsake these other foreign gods. You're going to have to choose for yourself whom will you serve. And so, in verses 26 and 27, so they would not forget their solemn covenant with God. Joshua, it says in verse 26 and 27, read it with me, please. Look at verse 26. Joshua wrote these words in a book of the law of God. He took a large stone. He set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone is going to be a witness against us. It has heard all the words of the Lord which He spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against us, lest you deny your God. And then he dismissed the people. And so they set up this large stone as a witness as their agreement to follow after God. This is the last of the nine memorial uh, stones that are are given in the book of Joshua. Kind of put it on a a slide for us to see. There is in chapter 4, verse 9, the stones that were in the midst of the Jordan. Remember when they crossed the Jordan, they put stones in the middle, and when the water came back over it, after they passed through, those stones were a witness. Then they put stones on the western bank in chapter 4, verses 20 to 24. And then in chapter 7, they put stones in the valley of Achor. And then in chapter 8, they put a heap of stones at Ai because they, Joshua and the people went off without praying, without being led by God and tried to defeat Ai. And they, and they lost for a while until they got themselves together and dealt with Achan, who was in their camp. And so they put a heap of stones at Ai once they won that battle. And then in chapter 8, they put stones on the altar of Mount Ebal. And in chapter 8, verse 32, they put stones on the law of Mount Ebal. And in chapter 10, they put stones in the cave of, of Makeda. And then in chapter 22, they built an altar. The two and a half tribes did unto the Lord their God. And here in chapter 24, Joshua put stones of witnesses to the people. There is absolutely nothing, people, that is unbiblical about, about having a, a, a memorial unto the Lord. As long as that memorial doesn't become the focus of our attention. As long as the memorial doesn't become our idolatry, our worship, uh, uh, the church, this place should not be a, a memorial that takes your attention away from Jesus Christ. Nothing should. This is just a building. You and I are the, are the true church. We are the true believers. And so nothing should take our eyes or our hearts away from the Lord our God. And then Joshua closes this book with three different burials. Talks about himself when he died at age 110. He talked about Eleazar, the high priest who died. And he talked about them burying the bones of Joseph. Now, as we started this book, we saw that Moses named Joshua as his successor. But it's significant to notice that God did not have Joshua appoint a successor after him. It was the elders that served with Joshua that guided the nation after his death. But soon, soon, as you study further along, like the book of Judges, the people went astray and they began to disobey the Lord and they began to worship worship false gods of the Canaanites who were there in their midst. And why? Why did they fall short? What went wrong? Simple but tragic. What went wrong is the people of Joshua's generation failed, failed, to 
to keep their promise and to faithfully teach the next generation. That's why I want to thank God for, for Rob and for his wife Beth, for Jenny if she's there, for all the other people who faithfully teach our younger people, for Karen who's faithful to teach our youngsters. You see, at this church, there's one thing you can know for certain. Your young people, our young people, the people that come to this church, they hear the truth of the Word of God just as strongly, if not stronger than we do. They are challenged just as strong, if not stronger than we are. And we are building a group of people, Alma back there, who serves the Lord. She teaches the Word of God to her children, the kids that come here, as much as possible. We are teaching the Word of God to the next generation. But let me say to you this challenge. The things that we teach them, the things that we say, will be counteracted by the things that we do. They need to see your life and my life be examples of what we stand for, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Dads, your children need to see you love their mothers to death. To love your wives. Wives, your children need to see you be respectful to your husbands. They'll watch you and they'll see. They need to see that we stand for more than just what we say, but we stand for how we act and how we love the Lord our God. And that doesn't happen just by being a part-time believer. That happens when we choose We choose for ourselves today whom will we serve. And I pray with all of my heart that you have the courage and the the desire to say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is what I want for you. And I believe that's what Joshua has written this whole book to get to that point. 